Welcome to People's Church Podcast. So, in one week, it's Christmas. Christmas Day. There was a couple being interviewed on a television show, Christian television show, and um, they had been going through some really difficult moments in their life, probably the most difficult moments that they had been through up to that point in time and would be for any of us. They had a little daughter born to them and she struggled right from the start. Her life was a struggle each and every day being a preemie and she was fighting literally for her life. This went on for four months and every day they never knew whether this would be the day that they would be saying goodbye to their daughter or whether somehow she would recover and be released from the hospital and get on with life. She ended up dying after four months. Day after day, the parents had been going up. They were asked the question by this interviewer, how did you do it? I mean, how do you do this for four months? And they looked right at the interviewer and they just said one phrase. God is in control. Those are phenomenally powerful words when they start to grip our heart and we understand what that means. Christmas is a statement, not just of God's love, but that God is a master planner and that he is in control. Now, how can that feel like that right now? Because right now the world just seems so out of control in every which way you want to measure it. If you want to measure it politically, economically, if you want to measure it in a faith way, the world just seems so upside down and so completely out of control. So today, the week before Christmas, I want to talk to you about strength and how you really deal with stress in life. In the world that you and I live right now, we uh, are not just local in our news or our awareness of what is going on. We are international. There's nothing on the international scene that you basically don't find some exposure to. We're aware of the journey of the entire globe. And a lot of times we can find ourselves frustrated with the whole big picture. Not just our own little picture. Not just our own little region. Or our own little family. And it can bring a lot of issue to us. A lot of emotional, can we say, heaviness and heavy heartedness. It can rob us of joy. And it can really reinforce to us how crazy the world can be without God's leadership. How can everything be all right when so many things are wrong? How can it be all right when things don't go our way or seem so right when there's all kinds of war and personal problems throughout the globe? It's just one truth. You got to remember one truth and that's where we're going to focus today. God is in control. There's a scripture in Matthew 1, to 23 in which Jesus' name is given to Joseph. 
Joseph is told, this is what you will call the child. All this happened, it says, to bring about what the Lord had said through the prophet. Notice that phrase. Prophet means that it was foretold. Because God's knowledge is omniscience, it is all-knowing. There's nothing beyond his knowledge, past, present, future. He has no gaps in his knowledge or understanding. And the prophet had said that this was all going to happen. Because God is in control. Christmas isn't a knee-jerk reaction by God. Christmas is the way that God had always planned to bring us to a willing love and eternal relationship with himself. The virgin will be pregnant. She will have a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. There's going to be a lot of times in life when you can feel absolutely abandoned. You can feel cut off. You'll feel alone. You can be in a crowd and feel alone. You could be in a crowd like this morning or hopefully you'll join us on Christmas Eve. And there's going to be people sitting in that crowd on Christmas Eve. They're going to feel alone. And why do they feel alone? People feel alone because... Their hearts are cut off from the connections that God has designed them for. Connections with him, and yes, connections with one another. There's all kinds of things when we wonder about this God is with us kind of a thing, but this is a statement of God's sovereignty, not of your emotional condition or the practice of your will in relationships. This is a statement of his character and who he is. God is with us. In 1 Chronicles 29 verse 11, King David, he's talking. And in this one phrase, it's just loaded. He says, yours is the mighty power and glory and victory and majesty. Everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. Now, I know that right now, at this point in time, that can raise more questions than it does answers. And we'll, we'll approach some of these today. What we call it when we say God is in control, it's just God's sovereignty. That God is absolutely sovereign over all things. More or less, they are subject to his rule. They are subject to his whim and his will. It's all up to him. God will allow what he allows. He will do what he does. He is above any other will. There is nobody else that will enforce their will against him. No other will can rise to the challenge to meet him. God's will is sovereign. And it's been proven in different ways. For instance, it's sovereign over nature. It's sovereign over nature. You know, the Bible tells us that he's the absolute ruler and authority over all nature. He set it up, he created it, he controls it, he sustains it, he overrules it with a miracle if he wants to. He did that himself, he allowed Peter to do that and walk on waves. God will overrule by his choice. 
Even Jesus is called the one that sustains. It's by him all things consist. He is actually known as the creator. Colossians 1. And through Jesus, creation is sustained. Because Jesus is God is with us. So he created creation to be with us. Jesus is with us, meaning God is with us. Look at these scriptures. Psalm 148, 7 to 10 says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters, and all you ocean depths. Do the same, fire and hail, snow and smoke, stormy wind. That does what God says. Do the same, you mountains, every single hill, fruit trees, and every single cedar. Do the same, you animals, wild or tame, you creatures that creep along, and you birds that fly. Praise the Lord, because it's by him you are sustained. By him you exist. Isaiah 45, 12 says, I myself made the earth and created humans upon it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I commanded all their forces. God is in control of all nature. And you say, can he warm it up a little bit? Truth is, yes, he could. But if you're really that desperate for warmth, catch a plane. You see, the fact is, is that God can do whatever he wishes. He's sovereign. And he has set up created order with order. And he doesn't break that order just for your whim. He breaks it for his will. If he wants to, he can change the natural order of things for what he wills. We will look at that. But God is sovereign over nature. God is also sovereign over history. Completely sovereign over history. He's in control of history. History is not some just accident. It is moving toward a plan. It's a progress. There's a climax. And all of it is a part of God's plan. He is in control of all of those events. And the prophet foretold all around this story is a phrase like that. And the prophets foretold. There are literally dozens and dozens of scripture that will foretell the first coming of Jesus Christ, not to speak of the second. God is in control of history. In Isaiah 14, 26 to 27, it says, This is the plan that has been made for all the earth. This is the hand extended over all the nations. The Lord of heavenly forces has created a plan. Who can stop it? God's hand is extended. Who will stop it? When you start to understand it, even all of history, God is marching through the plan that he's always had. And that plan will allow you to make some bad choices and some good choices. It will allow men of power and women of power to make bad choices and good choices. It will allow the evil that can be so present around us and maybe even in us. 
but it doesn't change that God's plan is marching forward. All things will culminate where he wants it to be, how he wants it to be, when he wants it to be. Everything about God is sovereign. He's also sovereign over our lives. Our lives. In Isaiah 46, 9 through 11, it says, Remember the prior things from long ago? I am God and there's no other. I am God. There's none like me who tells the end at the beginning from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my plan will stand. All that I decide, I will do. I call a bird of prey from the east, a man from a distant land for my plan. As surely as I have spoken, I'll make it happen. I have planned, and yes, I'll do it. God is in control. If he wants to call a man from here or a woman from here, if he wants to move this here and that there, he'll do that. He's done it and he does it all of the time. You know, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a production of some sort when it comes to stage or the arts or theater. But when you first start out, you might have a myriad of players and just like we saw with the choir here, all the different parts that get played, when you start out, everybody's going to be standing around waiting for direction. If you were to look at the stage, it would look like confusion. Nobody knows where to stand. Nobody knows their part. Nobody knows what they've got to do or where they go next. It's up to the director. And then the director will direct because they know the finished product, what this is going to look like. And you're going to stand here. Here's your lines. Here's what you're going to do. Here's when you're going to do it. Here's how you're going to do it. In the same picture we find with God, no matter how many moving parts, all of them are moving within a purpose that God has designed. That brings up a question. If God is in control, do I have a free will at all? Yes, you do. But it's not like you are just an agent of freedom where freedom is resident within yourself to the degree that you have no answerability or no direction from God. Let me explain it sort of this way. It's, it, you are free, but it's not in a totality. It's like you're playing a game of chess with one great chess master. You can make all kinds of different moves, but the outcome is not in doubt. The chess master will win. You can make any move you want on that board. But in the end, the chess master will win the game. Or maybe you grab the cruise ship and you're taking one of those nice Mediterranean cruises. I would prefer that over the Caribbean. And let's say you're taking one of those nice Mediterranean cruises and you get on the cruise ship and you're going to go on this nice cruise. Now you are free on that cruise ship. 
You can go to deck two, three, four, five, six, seven. You can eat meals as much as you want. You can uh, eat all the time if you wish. You can sit out by the swimming pool. You can play cards. You can do whatever you want to on that ship. But you're never going to change the destination. Your freedom has a construct to it. We know that even from our lives. We're born and then we die. We have construct. We have freedom within those constructs. God's always going to give you this freedom, absolutely. You get to choose how you respond. You get to choose response. You get to choose also stewardship. And that is what Jesus introduces as the model of God's leadership in our life is that we need to be stewards of what, what the owner has and what the owner has gifted us with. When you think about that, it's challenging, but it's also comforting. A lot of people are frightened when it comes to them having the full responsibility or full control. And so you should be. It's like an act of trying to be divine when you're not divine. You do not have full control of so much in your life. In fact, there's a huge fear that people have of being out of control. So we fight for control. We want control. And yet the Christmas message tells us how God in his great purpose can motivate men and and kings from the east to come. And he can prepare uh, through a long line of David's kings all the way right through to Joseph, and he can prepare uh, John the Baptist's mother and father in their journey, and, and, and he can send the angels, and he can be in control of shepherds and messaging over there, and he, there are so many details and complexities to just that happening that tell us how in control he is and how out of control we are. We fear it. We don't like being out of control. We, we really hate the feeling of not having control of our given situation. It's almost like that panic when you're going down a slippery hill in the winter and you've got too much momentum in your vehicle and you start to hit your brakes and then you're doing all kinds of funny dances on the road. But the greatest reality begins with what you actually have control of. And he says, that's your responses. Your responses. You want to be a little less stressed this Christmas? Then believe what the Christmas message tells you, which is that God is in control. You say, but my family's really a mess right now. God is in control. Our finances are hoard right now. We'll never get out. God is in control. My health. Deep struggle. God is in control. He's the controller. Now, because God is in control... 
My plans have a limit. My plans simply have a limit. Proverbs 19.21 says, Because God is in control, with this many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Saying that you've got lots of plans. We're coming up to January 1. By the way, we're going to start a a series about, you know, uh, it's time to reboot or it's time to restart, uh, reset. So we're going to start on how do you do that? How do you get the resets going in your life where you need to? How do you reboot what you need to reboot? Or how do you restart what you really want to get going on? That'll be starting January 1, right on January 1. You have limits. The limits that we have, it's okay. Have you ever heard the phrase, of course you have, the sky is the limit. No, it's not true. The sky is not the limit. God is the limit. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in, the, in a man's heart. I've had so many plans in my life. And, and that's, a, that's not a problem. That's a good, he's not fighting that. He's just saying, don't treat your plans as the ultimate control over your life because in essence, you're going to change your plans more than you stay with your plans. How many here married the first person they thought or was able to, to marry the first person they really thought that was the person they're going to marry. Did you? You have a few? Well, when I was grade five, I had this beautiful blonde teacher. And if you look beautiful to a 10-year-old kid, you're probably really beautiful. And so I'm like, that, I want to marry that girl. Woman. Different generation. Our plans are going to change a lot. There's no question about it. How many here have ever had God change their plans on them? All of a sudden, the forces or the things of life have changed, and then what you had originally thought you would do, you now know, no, that's not what I'm going to do. When I take a look at the journey that God has led me in, I see so much the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God over who I did end up marrying. The sovereignty of God of where we came to build a church and how he brought that all about that it would be Grand Prairie. The sovereignty of God and how God has worked and led and you're here in the sovereignty of God. Some of you have come from far countries to be here. And you have a sense of God leading and God directing in a way that maybe some of us don't where you've watched how he just kind of nurtured you along and brought you and gave you these opportunities and took you through to the place that you are now. God's sovereignty. We make plans. There are many. But in the end, it's his purpose that is going to prevail Proverbs 16, 1 says, we make our plans, but God has the last word. (laughs) That's a good thing. Here's a wrong attitude. Because how God's control affects me, here would be a wrong attitude. In James 4, 13 through 15, it says, some of you say, today or tomorrow we will go to some city. We will stay there a year, do business and make money. But you do not know what will happen tomorrow. 
How many have ever figured out tomorrow to such an exact science that it ran exactly the way you thought it was going to happen? We can't even do that for one day. Because every day that you're going to try and ultimately plan everything about that day, I guarantee you, you can't even entertain all of the things that are going to potentially change that or happen on that day. Today or tomorrow, we will go to some city. We will stay there a year, do business, make money. But you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Your life is like a mist. You can see it for a short time, but then it goes away. So you should say, if the Lord wants, we will live and do this or that. He was bringing a correction to some of the thinking of some of the people at that time in the book of James. And he's saying to them, look, you can't treat life just as if you are the sovereign on the throne and you control all things. You have to work in a partnership and a cooperation with God. And he's saying there's a wrong attitude here and it's called presumption. You are presuming upon God. That's not going to get you anywhere good. Mature faith is flexible. It makes plans. It sets goals. It has objectives. But it realizes that ultimately God has the final word. So I'm not going to sweat it. I'm going to do what I know is the right thing. I'm going to do it in the right way as best as I know how. I'm going to apply my energies. I'm going to, I'm going to bring the values that God wants me to bring and all of that. But ultimately... It's his call. The right attitude is cooperation. Proverbs 16:9, we should make plans, counting on God to direct us. God, if this is what you want, if this is the direction I'm going to go, then I'm going to do this with flexible faith. You know, they used to write the letters uh, at, the end of, at the end of letters. They always write two letters at the end of a letter. They used to do this. It was a D and a V. Then they'd sign their name to a letter and they'd write DV. And it's just, it was, it was short form for Latin words, Deo Valente. What Deo Valente means in Latin is just God willing. God willing. So they write the letter, they put their plans down, they put their plans, here's what I'm planning on doing, I hope to see you soon, I'll be home from sea here, I hope. Deo Valente, God willing. God willing. This isn't just something that once in a while in your life you do, this is an attitude of cooperation with God, Deo Valente, God willing. This is what I'm going to do, God willing. This is what it means to be in cooperation with God when your plans are being made. Proverbs 16, 9, we should make our plans counting on God to direct us. How do you do that? How do you get God's direction then in your life? Prayer. You pray, God, what do you want me to do? What's your plan? What's your agenda? When interruptions come, you realize that God is in control and it can really lower the stress when you recognize that. It can lower the frustrations in your life. When you know it's not all up to you. And planning without prayer is presumption. You don't pray, Lord bless what I'm doing. You pray, God 
Help me to do uh, what you're actually blessing in my life and what you want to bless. You have a plan. Lord, help me to do that plan. Help me to do what it is. Bless that. Because God's in control. My plans, though, have a limit. Secondly, my problems have a purpose. If God's in control, he teaches us then that even in your problems, there's going to be purpose. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says, At present, you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. Anybody have an amen for that one? This is no accident. That's a key phrase. This is no accident. It happens to prove your faith, which is infinitely more valuable than gold. Life is not random. It's not freak accidents. Life is not totally unplanned. Life is not without meaning. There is an order. There is a plan. And God knows what's going on. He's weaving the fabric in your life. There's a tapestry. It has light threads. It has dark threads. And God is weaving happy and sad times and richness and poor times into this beautiful texture and color fabric for your life. He's saying that nothing can come into the life of a child of God without his permission. Everything is Father filtered. He will allow it. I'm not saying that everything that happens to you in life is God's perfect will. Because that's just not true. There are a lot of things that are not God's will. If you go out and sin, that's not God's will. Somebody sins against you, that's not God's perfect will. That's why we're to pray, Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done perfectly. On earth, God's will is done not perfectly. And it is done perfectly. You'd never have to pray that prayer, thy will be done. God has a will for my life. I can choose to go against it. It only hurts me and people that are around me, but I can make that choice. But ultimately, God is in control. I'm not saying God causes everything. He doesn't cause everything. God doesn't cause sin. If somebody gets cancer, God doesn't cause cancer. Jesus was a healer. He doesn't cause these things. God, God doesn't even cause all your problems. You may think he does, but he does not cause all your problems. He doesn't have to. We're pretty good at that ourselves. You make enough of your own. He doesn't have to cause them. I bring enough on myself. But God does permit them. There's a permissive will. He could take away all the problems in the world. If he did, you wouldn't be here because you're somebody's problem. <laughs> yeah, not naming names. He could turn us into robots. The very fact that he has given us a limited will literally means that he has to allow the consequences of that free will to reign. If I go out and I overeat, I pay the consequences. If I go out and I wreck my body, I pay the consequences. If I go out and sin, I reap the rewards and the results. God does not cause evil and God does not cause suffering, but he does allow them because my problems have a purpose and God does permit them and then he uses them. So he permits you a free will and he permits you all the results of that free will but then he joins with you in making them fit into a purpose that matters and a strength in your life. 
that are become the greatest gifts that you'll probably have from some of the worst things that you will go through or even bring on yourself. God is an expert of bringing out the good in the bad. He could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. Instead, he shut the mouth of the lion. God could have caused Pharaoh to say, go ahead, Moses, take the people and run. But he allowed him to say no. So he could show 10 dramatic miracles of his great power that would be passed on all the way to our current world. He could have kept Jesus from the cross, but he let him go, his own son. He let him suffer and die. Did he bring any good out of that? You bet he did. God literally turns crucifixions into resurrections. There's a prayer sometimes that we pray to God. God, why don't you take this away? These are often the very things that God is using to shape you and make you into the believer of character he wants you to be. In fact, we are counseled that when we go through these kinds of trials and testings, he's saying, count that a great thing because it's going to do such good in your life. He has a greater purpose than the problem. Another example, Job, wealthiest man in the world, in one day lost it all. He loses his wealth. He, all of his children are killed by basically terrorists. He's, 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 uh, he's had a large family. They're all killed. He gets a painful disease. He's left with a wife that is not sharing his faith and is nagging him to curse God and die. Everything's going wrong in his life. And it's interesting when you study the story of Job, the Bible says Satan was doing these things to Job, but Satan could only do what God allowed. And God said, you can go this far and no farther. He wouldn't let Satan take Job's life. Satan said, Job only serves you because you give him great things. And God says, you want to make a bet? And he allowed Satan to take away those things. Job's response after this unbelievable time of pain, suffering, and testing. In Job 121, he says, The Lord gave me everything I had, and they were his to take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What an amazing attitude. See, the greatness of God superseded the pain and his trust in God superseded the circumstance. And it went to a place where he just knew that God is in control. And if this came through the Father and this has been allowed into my life, then my only response is, blessed be the name of the Lord. It was all yours. You have the right to take it away. It's you. There's a lady missionary. Tells a story. She's working with a tribe in West Africa about 20 years ago. And she told a story about how in this tribe there was uh, this huge resistance and they were really practicing a lot of animism, uh, sacrifice of animals, worship of animals, these kinds of things. And it were, they were known to sort of be a kind of a dark area of power there. And so she had prayed and said, Lord, you got to really show up here. You got to show up. She was in a meeting with them and, and, and one of the people in that meeting stood up and they said, one of the men stood up and said, well, we just planted our crops last week, but we're not expecting rain for another four to five weeks. So you, why don't you prove your strong God and get him to 
if you give us rain for my crops. She really felt a release in her spirit to respond to it at that moment. And so she did. And she said to this guy, she said, I will pray that the Lord will bring rain within the next three days. But not because of you, but to prove who he is. I mean, she went right out there. She just felt at that time it was like a challenge she couldn't back off of. And so she and her little team left there and went back to their place and they prayed. And she emailed around the, the world to some people that were praying with her and said, pray that in the next 72 hours, God will, God will answer this challenge and bring rain. It was that very night. In the middle of the night, she was woken up by huge claps of thunder. And lightning was lighting up the sky like it cannons of severe storms. It was just bang, 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 bang. And it just felt like everything was shaken from the sound of the thunder. It was a very severe storm. And it rained for four hours. She went during that rainstorm and she sat on her bed. And she says... God, you're absolutely amazing. But I fear you. I fear you. All she could then say over and over, I fear you, God. Not I'm afraid. I'm in awe. I fear you, God. I'm in awe. God, I thought I know you, but I really don't know you or know how your holiness really is or how majestic you really are. How can I grab that when I see what I see from you? I hope God will give you a moment like that in your lifetime where you are so humble before God in awe that you say, how can I absolutely... Just understand how great you really are. Needless to say, that particular tribe turned to God. And Christian faith found more than a, just a footing. It found a complete wave that hit that particular area. You're not going to understand everything that's going to happen to you in life. And you're not even going to understand God to the degree that you would say, I really get you, God. But you must understand this. God is in control. You are not. Joseph's reaction... This guy is sold, goes through a lot of, in, as a slave by his own brothers, goes through a lot of injustice, years and years, ends up in the dungeon. This guy has wrestled now with all kinds of issues of injustice for years. And he comes to a point where in one day he is taken up 
to be second to Pharaoh, who was the ruler of the world at that point in time. And here we have Joseph sitting on a throne. The only way God could have gotten him there was down and then up. And maybe God is taking you down in some ways, but what it does in you prepares you for what he's got for you. If you will look after the response. Genesis 50, 20, at the end of this saga of the injustice with his brothers, and now he has forgiven them, but they are not so comfortable in it right now. But he says to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You have probably gone through a whole lot of hurt. Maybe other people, your family, parents, brother, sister, people at work, child, husband, former spouse, teacher. And they may have actually intended it for bad, but God intended it for God, good because he's in control. So God can take the evil intentions and not let that be the ultimate purpose of what will happen. He will change that purpose and say, let's make it this good. I can make this good here with you. What's the key? My response. My response has to be to look past the pain in life. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. This is the reason we never lose heart. These troubles which are temporary are winning for us a permanent, a glorious, and solid reward out of proportion to our pain. So we don't look at the temporary situation. We look beyond to see the eternal benefits. You look past the pain. When Jesus went to the cross, it says in Hebrews, he looked past the cross to see you. And he said, it's worth it. Lastly, my prayers have an impact because God is in control. If God wasn't in control, why pray? What power would prayer have? Prayer has impact because God is in control. The fact is, prayer does work. And why does it work? Simply. God is in control. If he were not sovereign, prayer would just simply be a waste of time. Prayer works because God is in control. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to even ask or even dream of. Infinitely, that means without end, beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. The only one with the limitations is you. God has no limitations. That's why it's such a wise thing to develop and nurture prayer in your life. I don't know how you can have a vibrant faith without it. You might not be able to change a lot of situations in life, but you can pray and God can change it, and that's a privilege. What a privilege prayer is to talk to God who can change things. I know exactly what some are thinking right now. If I can pray and ask God to change things, and if God really is in control, then why don't I get everything I pray for? How come I don't get everything that I put on the list of my prayers with God? Let me give you a couple things today. God's not a genie. That mainly basically a simple way to say this. He's not somebody you control or have within your call and beckon for your will.
Do you give your children everything they ask for? How many have ever given their children everything they asked for? How many are going to give them everything they've asked for at Christmas? How many are going to, no, you're not going to, right? You're always going to have limits. I hope you do. I remember asking my dad, oh, dad, I'd love that speedboat. Yeah, it won't work. God is not something that you rub uh, and then command. You'd misuse it. You'd show it off. You'd abuse it. Because your wisdom is nowhere near enough to direct the power of Almighty God. Sometimes Christians pray in conflict. Another issue. Sometimes we just pray in conflict. Conflict like this. Calgary Flames fans praying, God, let them win. Edmonton Oilers fan is playing, God, let them lose. Oh, they did last night, didn't they? You can pray in conflict. Because your will is not absolute. It might be a desire, something that you'd like to see. But you're going to pray in conflict. And God can't answer every prayer that is in conflict like that. One prays for rain, another one prays for sunshine. It's kind of like the Christian who was walking through the woods. He meets a great big bear. The bear starts chasing him. He's running down the mountain. All of a sudden, this guy stops and prays, Oh, God, please let this bear be a Christian. He turns around, sees the bear on his knees. He paws folded, bless this food to the nourishment of our body. <laughs> it's a prayer in conflict. But I think the real reason is that God knows what's best and you don't because God's power is directed by God's wisdom and God's wisdom is behind every plan that he's got and his purpose for your life and he's going to work in you because his thing is long term he's working eternal plans in you he's not working just to get you through today he's working you to prepare you for eternity God knows what is best for your life. 1 John 5, 14 to 15, we are sure that he, God, hears us if we ask him for anything that's according to his will. He hears us whenever we ask him, and we know also that he gives us what we ask from him. But did you notice that according to his will? That means that you are open and subject to God's wisdom, and you are saying, God, I'm trusting your wisdom in all of this. Jesus in the garden prays a very interesting prayer like this. Lord, if it's possible, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Your wisdom directs it. Do you include God in these plans and in, these, in, in, in your life? I mean, Christmas is not about just the nostalgic birth of a baby. 
This is God amongst us. God is with us. And his statement is still reverberating throughout this planet. God is with you. It is reverberated in many of your hearts. God is with you. And he's with you right now. And you're up against it somewhere, somehow. And you're going to find the challenges of life are not going to go away because of your imperfect will and this imperfect world and everybody else's imperfect will. And God is going to allow these things because it's in that microcosm that God is going to produce a family that of faith in God and one that will trust him and trust his love and trust his wisdom. And if you are under stress today, if Christmas or this season puts you under stress and you, and not just the idea of buying, but it could be loss, it could be relational disharmony, it can be all kinds of things, can be physical. If you are in stress somewhere in your life, which I'm guessing that you are, the answer to that stress is not that God makes everything the way you want it to be, but that God is in control. And that just takes the stress out. God, you're in control. So that leaves us at a place today. That baby that was named Emmanuel, God is with us, that's either true or it's not. But if in your heart you believe God is now with us, then grab hold of it for the stress point of your life and trust the good God that he is. Trust his hand. Trust his wisdom. Trust his heart. And you will find that God will step into your situation by working his purpose and he will achieve what he wants and you will be somebody of stature in the kingdom of God both now and forever because God is working the beauty of who he is in you. I am so glad that God did not give me the power to fix everything for everybody. Because I would destroy people. Because I would take that stress out of your life right now. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. It doesn't matter. Just, just, let's just, it's gone. Only God wields God's power. And it is the wisdom of God that must direct it. Let's stand together. Father, I don't know each particular situation. I know know the stress points, Lord, that I walk with. But Father, we need to do an exchange here today. We need to believe the direction of the Lord in naming Jesus Emmanuel. That God is with us. For that, Lord, we turn to you and we say, God, here is the stress points. Here is where my life is not in a place of richness not because of my circumstances because it's because of my response 
And Lord, I am panicked about being out of control. I am panicked because I cannot fix. I can't fix even what's going on inside me. I can't fix the anger that can mount. I can't fix the frustration. I can't fix the hopelessness. I can't fix, Lord, the depression. I can't fix, Lord, the rejection that I have felt. I can't fix all of the things. But, Lord, I realign my heart, my mind upon the one fundamental truth that matters and changes the universe. God, you are in control. And so my prayers come to you about these things in my life because you're in control. And I recognize I am not and every time I've been pushing the, the levers of my own control, I've only increased the anger, the frustration, the emptiness. I've only increased the lack of joy. I'm the one that's doing that. And so, God, right now, I pray. I just pray all around this room. There just be a, such a fresh revelation that God is in control. And right now, we will freshly surrender to you and ask you. To bring and to bring what we need. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he's the greatest statement. That you are in control. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've been given that will. That will must be exercised. This is not like faith by osmosis. This is faith by declaration. You make a declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ as God is in control. God is with us. He is the Savior. And you receive his payment of the cross for your sins so that you might share in his resurrection into eternal life. That's just a, a direction that you take towards God of faith. So a little prayer, simple faith is the power that moves God's heart and hand towards you. And just a simple prayer of faith that says something like this in the quietness of your own heart. You say something like this, Father, I have definitely lived a life where I am in control. In fact, to be honest, it's a little panicky to think that somehow I shouldn't keep trying to pull all those levers. And so, Father, I want to step away from that and I receive Jesus Christ into my life as my Savior and my Lord, my Chief Executive Officer, my leader. I accept you into my life. Forgive me for my sins. And now, Lord, teach me how to live a life that's based on God is in control, starting with me. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.